Praise God. Let me just take just a moment if I can. I know there are some that are going to continue to come in. And I'm sure with this new format, we will have that uh, as a pretty consistent deal. Obviously, if you could, and most of you have done an awesome job considering the elements you're fighting and the fact it is a new start time, I'm pleasantly surprised of how many that are already here this morning. And I'm sure some will adjust as we go along. But because of what we're doing, it's important, if you can, to do your best to be here on time because we're going to be doing some very important things. This is not, I want you to understand and hear me, and I'm going to repeat this probably later on when more get here, but these are not throwaway sessions. Okay? I want you to understand that, what we're doing here. We're not doing something for the sake of trying something new. The two focuses that we have uh, have desired in this vision God has given us is small groups, and we have done a great job at getting that started, and you have just done an amazing job at jumping on board with that, and we're, we're seeing awesome things already. But the second part that is equally as important is our focus on discipleship training and discipleship. We want you... I want to be, and I hope you do, I want to become a disciple of Jesus Christ. Not simply a church attendee. Not simply someone who fits church into their schedule on Sunday and then comes back again the next week and church is carved out for two hours. But I want to become a disciple of Jesus Christ. And in order to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, it doesn't take much to go and study to determine that to be a disciple, there is a common thread in that, and that is to be taught and trained. I love preaching. I enjoy to preach, and I enjoy listening to preaching, and I have been greatly inspired, changed, and challenged by preaching. But if you go look at the scripture, you find that Jesus very rarely truly preached. Culturally, I think we've become a little more addicted to preaching than the Bible ever intended us to be. Amen to that. So, we are shifting sort of our focus and we're trying to get... And and those of you that came up under Bishop Wright, you will know that most of the people that were under Bishop Wright that grew and became such spiritually mature people, which it was awesome to see such a spiritually mature church, that was because we had a bishop that taught three times a week. And every time he preached, he apologized for preaching because he wasn't a preacher and he ended up teaching anyways. (laughs) So we are shifting. And a part of that, these sessions on Sunday morning will be a huge part in that because of what we're going to be able to do. And I know it's a little different. I know it's, it's, there's some adjustment that needs to be made in our mentality. Uh, I know there's some things, there's some pros and some cons to all of this, and I, we could sit and we could discuss all the ins and outs, but eventually we've got to try to find, most importantly, what's the most effective, and ultimately, what the Lord wants us to do. Amen? So we're moving forward. I, I can't tell you that we may not make some more adjustments along the way. There may be a few more tweaks we do. We may find that this format needs to be tweaked some. We don't know. We're going to move forward step by step. But let me say it once again. Be patient with us. We'll be patient with you. We'll go through this journey together. Uh, we, we, who knows what, 
what, the, what, what we're going to look like in six months or a year from now. We're just taking it one step at a time as the Lord gives us each step. And that's, that's what he's called us to do, and, and we're moving forward. So today is sort of a, a preamble to what we're going to be moving into starting next week. And some of you have heard this term, maybe don't know much about it, but you've heard the term or heard unlocking the Bible. How many of you have heard that term? We've said it several times, unlocking the Bible. Unlocking the Bible is a 12-series, 12-lesson Bible study that is going to become one of the foundational keys to us going forward that we want everybody, everybody, everybody... That means you, that means me, everybody to go through unlocking the Bible and everybody that joins us in the future, we want them to go through unlocking the Bible. It's astounding to me that people can, uh, can, can make it, has made, have made it as, as, as much as they have uh, not having a foundation of the Word. We cannot stand on something that's not based in the Word of God. And so, starting next Sunday, we didn't do it this Sunday because we knew this was going to take some adjustment. We knew today was going to be difficult just because it was a new start time, new things going on, and we didn't want to jump right into it. We wanted to give it just a moment so you guys can catch up. But starting next Sunday at 9.45, we will be launching into unlocking the Bible for the next uh, uh, about three months it's going to take us to complete it. And at the end of that, all of you that complete the 12 lessons, we're going to give you a certificate, make sure that you, that you, we acknowledge the fact that you have completed this. But the goal in all that is so that in return, you can turn around and teach somebody else. It's not simply to get word in you, but it's to get word in you so then you can return and teach somebody else and then they can teach somebody else because disciples make disciples. Amen? So we are launching forward with that. That's going to begin next Sunday, 9.45. I'll remind you a little later in the gathering at 11 of that. But at 9.45 next Sunday, we will begin unlocking the Bible training. Here's the key. Those of you that will be attending Unlocking the Bible, uh, you will have access to the recording of Unlocking the Bible. Obviously, in the next three months, you may get sick. You might have other things where you miss a Sunday. We will give you access to that, uh, to that, to the recording of that day. However, we're not going to make that available publicly. Why? Because we want people to come. We don't want to just throw it on the internet and let people just say, well, I don't feel like getting there at 945. It's too early for me. I'll watch online. So if you want to participate in unlocking the Bible, you're going to have to be here and be a part of that. And obviously in that period of time, if you do miss something, we will help you keep on track and we'll give you access to that. But it will not be open to everybody. So I'm encouraging you to do your best to be here next Sunday, 945, and do your best as we go forward. And as we do this, there will be more things that we will begin to add to Sunday morning to this training time. Uh, eventually, we're going to get to the point where we have multiple things happening during this period. Not just what's happening in here, but we'll have other stuff happening all over the building. We have a great relationship here 
uh, with the school. Sister Naria is amazing. And she has basically said, however many classes that you want to have, we will give you access to. So we are going to uh, begin to add on to those as we go. And, and I don't know how many we'll eventually have, but there will be a time where I'm sure we will have more classes going on than you can attend at the one time. And you'll probably want to know, I want to really attend that class, but I want to attend this one. And so we will, we are going to be doing this. And as I, as I said, we'll figure this, some of this stuff and you'll understand it as we get into it a little more. Praise God. If you've got a Bible, if not, we'll provide it to you on the screen. I want to start this morning uh, for the next about 40 minutes. First uh, Samuel chapter 13. First Samuel uh, chapter 13. I, and, and this morning, if I could, in this teaching session, I really want to uh, uh, um, not cast vision, but I want us to go back through and understand just for a minute, if we can, the why in what we're doing. We can't just get so focused on the what that we forget the why. We don't want to get into the point where the whole purpose in what we're doing is just checking off boxes. Well, we're doing training. Check, I got that. Oh, I go to small group. Check, I do that. Well, we do this. Check that. If we don't understand the why in what we're doing, and we lose and we lose sight of things and everything we do just becomes a program then we're going to get lost in this and so i want to just go back for this morning and just and just hit some principles in scripture and 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 and, and just point out some things that as we go forward from this point forward there are some things that we cannot cannot lose sight of we cannot lose sight of these things. But I want to start off by just laying a quick foundation. First Samuel chapter 13 and verse 13. And I would encourage you, if you ever have time, to go back and read uh, this uh, chain of events that lead us to this uh, verse. I don't have time this morning to go through all of it. But I would, I would encourage you, if you've never read this, to go back and read sort of the chain of events that lead us to this statement that uh, Samuel is making to Saul. And for time's sake, I don't have time to give you all the ins and outs of it, but it is a, is, is a very uh, important principle that you must understand if you're going to make it to heaven, and you can find it here in this uh, passage of Scripture. But let's skip to verse 13. And Samuel said to Saul, You have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be a commander over his people because you have not, not kept what the Lord commanded you. That little passage there, the Lord has sought, in verse 14, the Lord has sought for himself a man after his, his own heart. We, we often hear that phrase and we, we, we link it to David, but it was first spoken to Samuel that God was looking for someone. And then later we find Acts chapter 13, verse 22, says this, And when he had removed him, he raised up for him David as king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, who will do all my will. 
Notice this, that a part of being a man after his own heart was a second part of that verse is to do the will of God. Not my will, but thine be done. So we see sort of this contrast a little bit in Saul and in David, and we see a little bit, and we could go with literally probably week after week after week after week uh, discussing the contrast between Saul and David and the different foundation things between that. Saul was based in religion. David was based in relationship. All these things that we could we could pull from comparing and contrasting David and Saul. But I really want you to see this here, that, that if you go back and you look at the Old Testament, let's just take the Old Testament. You can look at all Scripture, but let's just for sake look at the Old Testament. We could name people in the Old Testament that jump out of you. If I said name five characters of the Old Testament, it wouldn't be hard to do. I mean, we could say Moses, obviously Abraham, maybe Adam would be one. And of your top five, I would believe every person in here, every person in here, I believe, if asked that question, there would be one common name on the list. And that would be David. David, for some reason in our reading of Scripture, just seems to just stand above everybody else. I know Abraham was the father of all believers. I know Moses was important because of what was happening. I know it's the, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all these important names. But, but in, in reading of Scripture, in reading of the Old Testament, for a lot of us, the name and the character and the person that stands out above the rest is David. In fact, even non-believers know who David is. People that don't even go to church, if you said, who's Abraham? They may say, well, that's some kind of Jewish guy. Or who's Moses? I don't really know. Didn't he do something? But, oh, do you know David? Oh, isn't that guy that killed Goliath? So, I'm not saying David was better than anybody else. I'm not saying David was more important than anybody else. I'm just saying from our own ideal. But if you look back, what's amazing to me is, and, and, and I may have, there, there may be, I, miss, I may have missed it here. I'm not, I'm not saying this is a perfect statement. But if you go back and you look at David, I don't know of any giftings that really jump out at you that David had. Think about that for a second. There was no real giftings that he really... He didn't really have great spiritual... He, he really wasn't a prophet. In fact, he had to surround himself with prophets. He really wasn't some kind of, uh, 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 he, he, wasn't, he wasn't somebody that had these great spiritual giftings that we all seek to have. Oh, I want to see things in the Spirit. I want to do, it really wasn't who David was. When you think of David, you don't immediately go to spiritual giftings. But yet, for us today, most of us that are here, that have been around for a little while, our pursuit is pursuit of spiritual giftings. Well, I want to have this, and I want to be that. I want to have this anointing. I want to be able to pray like that. And, and, and all of that, I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm not saying that you should feel bad for those things. But I kind of sometimes that we, 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 we put the cart before the horse. Because you know what? If I get giftings without Jesus, what have I gotten? But if I get Jesus, I get everything that comes with Jesus. And Paul said, it won't be unto me if I preach the gospel, but find myself lost. What good is it if you have all the giftings known to man, but in the end you find yourself lost? 
the greatest passion in my life from when I can remember all the way back when I was a child growing up in church. I remember some of the first prayers I remember praying as a child was, Lord, I want to be saved. And standing here today, many years after that, it's still my number one passion. I want to be saved. I got to be honest with you. This is not probably the best statement to make standing in the position I am, but I want to see you saved. But more than that, what good is it if you're saved if I'm lost? I love you, but there ain't no, there are no nail scars here. I can't die for you. Well, you all got to heaven. I'll just go to hell for you. Woo, praise God. I want to be saved. That means if I've got to, you know what that means? That means if I've got to resign this position and go find something else to do to be saved, I need to do that. And so we see David and we find that there's a lot of things about David that stand out. But I want to just point out four things that David had that we must have. We must have. That's what I'm titling for those of you that handle this. Uh, Brother Adam, uh, where is he at? That's what I'm titling today is we must. We must. This is... There's some things we must, we must continue to do. We must continue to strive for. And we can find these things mirrored and, 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 and shared in the life of David. The first thing we must is we must continue to pursue passionate worship. Oh, I need to say that one more time so you understand. We must continue to pursue to pursue passionate worship. Psalms 100. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who has made us and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving. Into His course with praise. Be thankful unto Him and bless His name. For the Lord is good. Can I at least get an amen on that? The Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and His truth endures to all generation. Psalm 66 verse 1. Make a joyful shout to the Lord all you earth. Sing out the honor of His name. Make His praise glorious. Say to God how awesome you are are your works. Though the greatness of your power your enemies shall submit themselves to you. All the earth shall worship you and sing praises unto you. They shall sing praise to your name. We must continue. We must continue to pursue passionate worship. But let me just throw in a slight clause and I'm supposed to be teaching. But i got to just take a moment and preach for a second. Let me put a clause in there for a second. I'm not just talking about singing. I'm more concerned is what do we do when the music stops? That's what I'm talking about right now. It's not the singing. Well, we can sing and we can clap and that's awesome. But my more important conclusion, the more point I want to make to you today is what happens when the music stops? We cannot get so pointed that all we do is worship when the music's going. But when it stops, we look around, okay, what's next? Let's get something going. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. But really, when the music stops and the words go off the street, there should be something down inside my heart. I don't need words on a screen. I don't need a song to sing. I've got my own worship. I've got my own praise. I've got my own song in my heart. We can't lose that spontaneous worship. 
We can't lose that. That somebody, it just gets up bubbling in you so much that you can't sit still. You can't stop. And when the music stops, you don't want to be out of order. But if everyone is going to stop worshiping, you can't stop worshiping. We need that. Why? Because if we don't have that and all we do is get into the, to the, to the, to the, to the ritual or to the, the habitual habit of only singing when the music's going, all we're doing is practicing religion, but we're not truly worshiping Him. Because really, worshipers don't need a song. I know we're going to sing. We're going to continue to sing. We're not getting away from singing. We're not about to become what are the Church of Christ. We're not getting rid of the music instruments. That's not what I'm talking about. The point I'm trying to make is if that's all we ever do is sing and worship when the music's going, I don't believe we're truly worshiping because there's got to be something down in here, not just intellectually, but it's got to be in your heart and your spirit that there's something in you that desires to lift up the name of your Lord and Savior, the one who brought you out of darkness David played songs David was a songwriter we know songs that David wrote but at at his heart at his core David was a man of passionate worship passionate worship I hope to God no one ever comes in here and goes man these people they don't even look like they want to be here Oh, these people, they're just, look at them, they just uh, look like, you know what I've often said, you are the greatest billboard we've got. We pass out flyers, we do all that kind of stuff, we'll continue to do that kind of stuff, it's important. But bottom line is, the best flyer we have is your face. Because i got to be honest with you, if I was basing God off the way some of you look, in church, or in our gathering... I'm not trying to be mean, but I'm wondering if you really want to be here. I know we have bad days. I know sometimes we don't want to, we, 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 we are tired and sometimes we're just too cold to move. I got it. Praise God. I understand that. I get that. I'm not saying you got to just bounce in here and smile away. But you know what? If you really got Jesus on the inside. <laughs> Don't tell me how great your relationship with God is and how awesome God is in your life when there's nothing reflecting out of that. Because when I've got Him on the inside, on my good days and on my bad days, He's still good. So we must continue, must continue to pursue passionate worship. The second thing is we must continue to pursue the principles of the Word. Oh, i got to say that again. We must continue to pursue the principles of the Word. We cannot get so caught up in trying to find out what's the best way to do things that we stop and get away from what the book says. That's all we can do. The only thing that's true and constant and the thing we can go back to that is, and that's the Word of God. Because David said, Psalm 119, 105, Your Word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. Verse 11 and 12, your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. I believe one of the biggest reasons why we are here today, 
I'm not just talking about here gathering together, but I'm talking about why we are on this journey that we have started several months ago. And now for now, fully January the 7th, we have completely launched into this journey that God has placed us on. I believe that one of the biggest reasons why we are doing that is, is that we are trying our best to get back to the most simplistic way of following the book that we can. I'm not saying that people that don't do, that do something differently, they're not following the word of God. Don't leave here and tell that. I'm not saying that. But we can have, we have to be accountable for what God has shown us. And I believe God has shown us through the word. And we talked about it, I, I, and we talked about it at length back, and I'm not going to go back and repeat all of it. But we talked about it at length during September and October. During Thursday nights and even on Sunday night during our, during our vision casting times of how everything that we're doing is not based in a church growth principle. It's not based in trying to make things better, this, try to tweak this, but ultimately it's based in the foundation of the Word of God. I, and there, there, there are great ideas all over the place. You can, you can go online and, 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 uh, you can Google ideas for church growth. And there's websites, literally, there are literal websites that are devoted to church growth ideas. There are, they'll tell you this, you got to do that, you need to do this, you need to go there. And you know what? i got to be honest with you, there's some really cool ideas. But it's sort of like David trying Saul's armor. I can't use something that I haven't proven. You got to be careful. Let me do this real quick. This is just a moment of teaching off the subject, but on the subject. You got to be careful that you try something just because it worked for somebody else. You've got to do what God has called you to do. There are principles that we must follow. You can't get away from the principles. They are the principles. The application, though, is different for all of us. There are principles that are, are absolutely forever established. That's the biggest reason why we have the Word of God. The Word of God is given to us to give us the principles in which God is who He is. Because you know what? Principles shouldn't change. Whether we're living in the first century church or the 21st century church, the principles are the same. Now the application is vastly different. There are things that we have that weren't available to them at the time. i got to believe, honestly, the 21st century church has zero excuses. It's amazing to me that they turned the world upside down and they had no way to communicate with one another other than simply you had to travel by foot or some kind of animal to go travel and visit others. And if Paul wanted to write a letter, that letter had to be copied and it had to be distributed. Now with all the stuff we have, and then on top of this, it's amazing. Thought about this, and some of you will remember this. Oh, my, my wife and I, I, I forgot what the, maybe it was over the holidays. Um, I, I forgot this, the, the context in which it came up. But we were talking to Bishop Wright over the holidays, and somehow we got on the subject of Bible programs. I have no idea how we got there. But we got to talk about Bible programs, and if you know Bishop Wright, and some of you don't know who that is, Bishop Wright is the founder of Antioch, and he came here uh, 47 years ago, I guess 47 years ago, and, and um, him and Mother Wright built Antioch and 
through the help of the Lord, and that's why we're here today. But he is a prolific, I mean, absolutely a, a, a studier of studiers when it comes to the Word of God. And so he was telling us, my wife and I, he was, he was recalling uh, back when he was younger and he would travel, that in order to travel and study, that he literally had to carry a duffel bag that was about this big, filled with all of his reference books. And when he traveled and he wanted to study, he had to carry that book. And I can't imagine how much that book, that bag would weigh. That's how he would study. And then he was so excited because he got a computer. And this uh, computer had the ability to have a search program and a Bible search program. But the slight problem was this, is that to do a word search, and if you've never done a word search in the Bible, basically, you can pick the word faith. Let's just say the word faith. You can put that into a Bible program, and it will tell you every scripture and show you every scripture that the word faith was used in. So that's what a word search is. Well, Bishop Wright, his first computer, he hit the word faith, and 45 minutes later... it would finally spit out what it was. But the problem was, he couldn't copy and paste that. So the only way to do it was, he had to print out on a dot matrix printer. If you never... (laughs) He had to print out the search results. And so if he wanted to do a word search, he'd hit that button and 45 minutes later he'd come back. Well, nowadays, i got to be honest with you. Some of you remember, I mean, come on, even 20, 30 years ago, you had one Bible, that was it. That's all you had. Someone, when you first got saved, you had a Bible, that was it. That's all you have. Nowadays, I've got, I think, six or seven Bible programs. I don't know why I have so many. I got six or seven Bible programs on my phone. I've got the Bible in every language. I got the Bible in every. I've got so many things on here, I probably can never use them. I've got no excuse anymore. To not know the word. That's a long way to get to where I just said. I've got no excuse. And I gotta be I gotta say this a little strong. I don't know if you've got one either. Well, brother, right, that's your job. You gotta do it. Yeah, yeah, there's a part of responsibility to do that. However, if you go read the word of God, I think you've got a responsibility as well. Don't throw it up here. I'm not your savior. Don't expect me to be your theologian either. You need to have a hunger in your heart for the Word of God on your own. You need to have a hunger to pursue the Word of God. And David had a hunger. So we must continue passionate worship. We must continue to pursue the principles of the Word of God. The third thing is, we must continue to pursue His presence. Oh, I wish I could have got, at least somebody would have agreed with me on that. We must continue to pursue His presence. David said, Psalm 63, Oh God, You are my God, early will I seek You. My soul thirsts for You. My flesh longs for You. In a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I've looked for You in the sanctuary to see Your power and Your glory. Psalms 42, as the deer pants after the water brook, so pants my soul after you, O God. Psalm 1611, you will show me the path of life. Here it is. Here's the path of life. You ready? In your, what's that word? 
presence is fullness of joy at your right hand are pleasures forevermore we cannot you know what we get we this is a total new game for us i mentioned this a couple weeks ago to the brethren standing on, on the platform at the beginning of our gathering i think it was uh i think it was maybe christmas eve or the one before that when we finally crossed over the, the finish line and we had no more Sunday night gatherings together. We had, we, whatever it was, somewhere in November, I believe it was, we had the last one. And so we had officially, with schedules and holidays and Antioch United, we were going to have no more Sunday nights as we have been doing it for the last 40 plus years. And so now we stand officially the first day of a new season that we will now begin, in case you don't know this, we will now continue every week we have small groups. In the fall, we did it every other week, partly because we needed to have some time in between to get things established, but also, too, we had schedule stuff. Antioch United was on a Sunday night. We couldn't get past that. There were some holiday issues as well. But starting today... And going forward, unless there is a holiday or obviously weather or other things like that, we will be having small group every Sunday night. So in case you're wondering if there's small group, yes. Is there small group next week? Yes. Week after that? Yes. How about next month? Yes. How about three months from now? Yes. How about six months? Yes. Now, there may be Easter or some other holidays that fall on Sunday that we might uh, postpone small group, but... No, if we're having a normal Sunday, we're going to include small group on Sunday. So saying all that, that means that our Sunday morning gathering is the only time we're really going to be able to be together. This is it. This is the big show. This is it. So you know what that means? Can Let's be honest, okay? Can we just be honest with one another for a second? There are times when you go to, at the time, we, three services a week on an average of 50 weeks a year. That's 150 services, gatherings. 150. Out of 150, you don't always give it your best shot. Don't sit there and act like you do. You don't always enter his gates with thanksgiving into his course of plays. Sometimes you drag yourself through the gates and lay down in the courts. That's 150. But now we have reduced that number because Thursday nights are going to continue to evolve. We're still, as we're working on facility and as we're trying to get facility over in this area and as we're working through that and we have limitations with where we are and there's things on that. Thursday night gathering and teaching, that's going to continue to evolve and I don't know where it's going to be in three months, six months. I don't know. I don't know what Thursday night's going to look like, and that's not because we don't have a plan. A lot of that depends on how we are able to facilitate other things. So let's take Thursday night and put it over here on the shelf for a second. That means we have gone from 150 gatherings where we're all together down to 50. Just like that. So what does that mean? That means we can't afford to have a throwaway. If you do 150 and you throw away five, you might be able to get away from that. But when you've got 50 and you throw away five, that's a whole month of stuff thrown away. 
So what does that mean? It means I need the mature saints of God in this place. That when you come, I'm going to need you to push past whatever you came in this place with. Because we can't afford to come in and check off a box and go through the motions. But every time we come together, we've got to pursue more than anything in this place. We must pursue a move of God. We can't come, Brother Joel, and I don't believe we can ever come again. And just, I don't think it was ever, ever ever acceptable but let's be honest it happened but I don't believe we can ever come anymore and just say let's just get through check off the box and let's just move forward I hope not it's right I hope not I hope I get that. You know what? I know sometimes you're in the valley and there's others on the mountain. I know sometimes you're going through hell and all you're trying to do is just get here. I know sometimes you want to kill your husband, kill your wife, and kill your kids all at the same time. And it's just a matter of mercy of God that you get here. I get that. But I hope that when you're there, there's some people that are on the mountaintop. There's some people that have faith. There's some people that come in this place with a desire and a passion to say, God, more than anything we want your presence in this place not going through the motions not coming to 945 session and checking off an hour of teaching and not staying for the 11 o'clock gathering and singing some songs and having prayer and having a time of ministry and checking it off say good we did that let's go do something else but there needs to be something down on the inside of some people in this place that your desire and that your passion and that your pursuit more than anything is I want to be in your presence I want to be in your presence. What was in a young man so strongly that it would have gotten God out of the holiest of holies when God had made a made a way that really to get to his presence there was only a select few that really could get into where God was but there was something in David so strongly that when David was out in the fields just playing in his heart watching his sheep there was this passion inside of this young boy that he even though he knew it wasn't an option it wasn't possible he didn't have the right pedigree he didn't have he was even rejected by his own family but there was something in his heart that he wanted to be in his presence. He wrote it. He even said to the point, I, I, I can't say that today. I want to say it, but I, I can't say it that day. today. It's a goal. It's a desire of mine. I hope one day that the Lord in his grace and mercy will help me get there. I can't tell you today, but I believe one day I'll be able to say it. He said, my flesh longs for thee. What a statement. That you can get so passionate about the move of God and the presence of God in your life that even this old, rotten, stinky, smelly, junky flesh can want and desire God. I hope, I'm not there yet. I'm not there. But I'm hoping one day I get there. I'm going to keep pursuing it till I can get there. It may be the millisecond before the trumpet sounds. I might finally get there. But I, you know what? I want it to be said of myself, my flesh, God, longs for me. You know what? I can't say that all the time. My flesh longs for carnality. 
My flesh longs for the easy way. My flesh longs for that warm bed this morning. When that alarm went off and it was time to get up and I'm thinking, okay, if I hit the snooze button, what can I cut out of my routine this morning that might help me get extra nine minutes of this warm bed? I couldn't figure anything out. I had to get up. I can't say that yet. But I, I pray that even in all of that, even with the, in, the inconsistencies of my flesh, the up and downs of my flesh, I pray that when I come into a place in an atmosphere like this, that my desire is His presence. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I know that we're asking for a little extra of your time on Sundays. I know normally at 10.30 at this point in time, we would probably sort of be on the tail end of worship, about to go into some kind of burden bearing or offering, and you would already magically know, i got a 45 minutes, 50 minutes to endure. Come on, I can do this. And all of a sudden now, you're asking me, preacher, for an extra hour of my time on Sunday morning. I, I, I understand that from a fleshly standpoint, some of you may struggle with the idea that you're now having an extra hour of your Sunday added on. I get that from a flesh standpoint, but I hope there's somebody in here that will at least say, you know what, I know it may ask for an extra hour, but if this gets me closer to Jesus... If this gets me one step closer to being with Jesus, one step closer to becoming a disciple, one step closer to being in His presence, if it's an hour, two hours, three hours, four hours, five hours, six hours, there's no time too great for the opportunity to experience God in a greater dimension. There is no sacrifice too great to ask for. So, we must... In case you're just getting here, we're talking about things we must do on this first Sunday of this new launch. We must continue to pursue passionate worship. We must continue to pursue the principles of the Word of God. We must continue to pursue His presence. And finally, the fourth thing we must continue to do is we must continue to live a life of love. Must continue. I want to read to you Psalms 136. And I'm going to read it to you out of the CEV. That's the contemporary English version. Because the word there translated mercy can have other translations. And so this writer of the CEV decided to change the wording that you find in your King James. And I like this because it sounds... It sounds better, in my opinion, the way it's written. Verse 136, verse 1 in the CEV. Praise the Lord, He is good. God's love never fails. Praise the Lord. Praise the God of all gods. God's love never fails. Praise the Lord of lords. God's love never fails. Only God works great miracles. God's love never fails. With wisdom he made the sky. God's love never fails. The Lord stretched the earth earth over the ocean. God's love never fails. He made the bright lights in the sky. God's love never fails. He lets the sun rule each day. God's love never fails. He lets the moon and the stars rule each night. 
God's love never fails. God struck down the firstborn in every Egyptian family, but God's love never fails. He rescued Israel from Egypt. God's love never fails. God used His great strength and His powerful arm because God's love never fails. He split the Red Sea apart because God's love never fails. The Lord brought Israel safely through the sea because God's love never fails. The Egyptian army was destroyed and the king was army there because God never fails. God's love never fails. The Lord led his people through the desert. God's love never fails. You get in the picture? Our God defeated mighty kings. God's love never fails. He killed famous kings. God's love never fails. One of them was Sihon, king of the Amorites, because God's love never fails. Another was King Og of Bashan. God's love never fails. God took away their land. God's love never fails. He gave their land to Israel, the people who serve him. God's love never fails. God saw the trouble they were in. God's love never fails. He rescued us from our enemies. God's love never fails. He gives food to all who live. God's love never fails. God, praise God in the heaven because God's love never fails. That old song that says, Jesus never fails. You might as well get thee behind me, Satan. You cannot prevail because Jesus. God's love never fails. Somebody, if you didn't hear anything I heard said for the last 40 minutes, I hope this rings in your mind. God's love never fails. I don't care what lie the enemy has told you. I don't care what lie you've been told. I don't care what has crawled up on your shoulder and tried to tell you this and that. I'm telling you today, God's love never fails. I don't care if you're in the valley. I don't care if you're walking through hell. I don't care if anything in your life is going right and everything around you is falling apart. God's love never fails. It never fails. It never fails. You know what? I question it. Sometimes I don't understand it. Sometimes I say, God, why this and why that? But in the end, when I look back over the last 37 years of my life, there's one thing that I can say with certain, God never fails. And you know what? There were times I thought he did. There were times I thought that was it. I finally got him. He failed me. I knew it. I got him. And then all of a sudden, his plan was revealed. And I went, he didn't fail me. He didn't fail. Why? Because he's God. And God's love never fails. Man's love, it fails. Even your beautiful spouse who you're so in love with, their love fails. You can have the best marriage in the world, but there's going to be some failure in that marriage because of humans. But God's love never fails. And we have, we have said this, and I'm finishing up today before we transition. We have said this and we've talked about it. And I believe, I, I, I fully sincerely believe 
standing here today that, I, that for as long as I can remember that we are, we are, we are, we are, we are, which is so exciting to say this. I believe we are becoming a church of love. I fully believe that. I've started to see things. I've started to watch people. I've started to see how things are changing. I've watched attitudes and the way we're starting to treat one another. And I'm not saying we still don't have a jerk or two. I'm not saying we still don't have people that are grumpy and moody. Don't look around. Moody people. We got moody people. Some of you are moody. You're just moody. Don't act like you're not. You know you're moody and everyone around you knows you're moody. You're just moody. You got to just say, it's one of those, it's called a preemptive strike. Some people you have to ask how they're doing, not because you want to know. You just got to judge where they're at. How you doing? Fine. Okay, good. I'm off. See you. That's all I need to know. God bless you. Hope we get you next week. There's still going to be times when we get on the other's nerve. You know what? There's no people that hurt you like family. There's no people that hurt you like family. There are no people do. There are no people that cut you deeper than family. And you know what? I find in, in a lot of times over, the, over my life in a church, some of the greatest hurts in life come for people in the church. It just is the way it is. But you know what? Love. Love. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. You know what? If we would keep love, I know it's, I know, I got to even admit to you. When I say that, it just sounds funny. It's love. We just keep love. But I wonder, I got to be honest with you. I got to be, let me, let me turn it. I wonder if the devil has made us feel that way. I'm not trying to get all spooky, mystical, spiritual. But I wonder, because I got to be honest with you. Now, you women, you get it. You just love. But for guys, like, love. We got to be a church of love. I don't want to go to a church of love. Don't be loving on me. (laughs) Take your love somewhere. We say that. It's almost like, I don't want to be, that's too much love. But you know what? For God so loved the world. I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for love. You wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for love. And you know what? The Bible is so plain in all of this, and we've talked about it. To love your neighbor as yourself and to love those who you have seen so that you can love the one who you haven't seen. At the foundation of all this... I believe, I fully believe that. I said this actually to some of the brethren. I said this uh, several weeks ago. We were in a situation. I said it. I full, this is so exciting. I can't tell you. I cannot tell you how excited I am. To, I'm going to stand up here because I get, get excited. I, I can make this statement. Can you get me? Because I want this to be recorded. I fully believe that for probably, I don't remember the last time. That we have, we have, we have turned the page and we finally got rid of that religious attitude that wants to go around and correct people. And I believe we finally have gotten to that point where we're willing to love somebody instead of beat somebody to God. That's so exciting because you know what that means? 
when there's love in the atmosphere, love draws the hurting. You're going to start believing. I fully believe we're going to start to see people come in this place that are hurting. Why? Because they're coming because they can feel the atmosphere of love. They're not rejected. We're going to begin to see people from all walks of life. Some people that if you pass them on the street, you may step to the other side of the street because of their appearance. But when they come in here, they're not going to feel one ounce of condemnation. They're just going to see a group of people that just love him, that will shake their hand, that will hug your neck and say, we're so glad you're here. No matter what you look like, no matter how you like, no matter the lifestyle you live, we love you. Why? Because he first loved us. I'm so thankful today. I got to be honest with you. I am so thankful today. I don't say this lightly. I don't say it flippantly. I don't throw it away. I mean this sincerely. I'm so thankful today that God loves me enough to look past some stuff that's in here. Ooh, I got to be honest with you. If I was God, we say that a lot, and it's funny, but it's true. If I was God, I don't know if I would put up with my own self. I don't know. I don't know. I think at this point in time, after all the things I've told and promised and continue to fall in the same trap, I think I would have said, you know what? It's enough is enough. You've tried, but it ain't going to work out for you. You might need to go find something else to do. But I'm so happy today to tell you that his love reaches to my mountains, finds me in my valleys, that his love shines in the darkest of my nights and calms the winds on my roughest days. And if we, if we move forward from today, if we move forward from today and we can keep there's more, but these are the four things the Lord laid on my heart. I'm sure there's more we could find if we, if we sat down and we discussed it. But these four things, if we can keep passionate worship, if we can keep a pursuit of the word of God, if we can keep and continue to, to, to desire a, the move of his presence, and finally, if we can keep everything we do founded and grounded in love, I believe there's no, there's, there's no limitation to what God is going to do. We're not starting a program today. We're not starting some new fad or fashion. We are trying and pursuing the vision that God has given us. And this is the avenue that we're going to do that for right now. Whether it changes, I don't know. We're going to just take it as we go. But in all that, we can't lose sight of these things. That we become so concerned about the what that we forget the why. Why am I here? Why did, why did you come at 945? Why next week when we start unlocking the Bible, why are you going to be here at 945? Well, because... You told me to be here at 945. I hope that, I'm glad you're desiring to be obedient, but I hope that's not the reason why. I hope that's not. I hope the reason why you're here next week is because you want to get closer to Jesus. 
I hope next week the reason why you're here is because there is a hunger in you to want to learn and become a disciple of Jesus Christ. Not just to be a box checker. Well, we go in a small group tonight because that's what we're supposed to do. No, I want to go there because I want to be a part of what God's doing. I want to be at Sunday morning, 945, 1045, because that's when teachings happen. That's where we're supposed to be. No, I want to be there because I want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. I find that the things that I do because of the what, I find excuses for. But the things I do because I understand the why, I'll do them. You know what, right now? There may be physical things in your life that you want to change. That you know the what. But let's be honest, it's hard to change. But right now, if the doctor came to you and said, if you don't change these things, you've got three months to live. Now you've got the why. All of a sudden, what used to be so hard and what seemed so difficult and you just couldn't seem to do it, all of a sudden now, you can do it. The adjustments that need to be made, the things that need to change. Now you can do it. Because the why, I, I pray in Jesus' name. My why is different than your why. I don't believe we all have the same why. But I pray in Jesus' name that you can find your why in this journey. Can you just take a moment right where you are? Just lift your hands to the Lord. And let's just thank him. Can we do that? Can we just thank him? Hallelujah. Father, we give you praise. Thank you, Lord, for your spirit of revelation that's been in this place. We thank you, Lord, for your word that has gone forth. Thank you for the hearts of the hungry that have, that have heard and have received today. Father, we give you praise and we give you glory. We give you honor. We give you thanks. We love you today. We worship you today. In Jesus' name, Lord, we love you. We exalt you. Praise God. Praise God. Would you just thank the Lord one more time? Amen.